Shalom everyone, and welcome back to the Chutzpah Kabbalah. In today's episode, I'll be discussing about Simchat Torah, or also known as Shemini Atzeret, as well as explain and summarize the last passages of the Book of Moses in Deuteronomy and the first passage of Genesis as we go back to the beginning of the Torah readings back into the new year. For our purposes of being chutzpah, I'm going to be using the internet in an article on myjewishlearning.com entitled History of Shemini Etzeret in Simchat Torah that gives a best explanation of both of both of these um, significant days. So here's the following article. The status of Shemini Atzeret can be confusing at first glance. Its name means the eighth day of assembly, which would imply that it somehow belongs to the seven-day holiday that immediately precedes it, Sukkot. It's true that Shemini Atzeret is related to Sukkot, but its independence as a holiday is well established in the Talmud. In Numbers 29.35, we learn that on the eighth day, you should hold a solemn gathering, you shall not work at your occupation. This verse does not connect the eighth day specifically to any of the other traditions associated with Sukkot, begging the question, is this its own distinct holiday or part of Sukkot? This confusion led to much debate over whether one should, for example, say Kiddush, which is the prayer of sanctification recited over wine on holy days, in the sukkah, on this day, a custom followed by some, or whether Shemini Atzeret should warrant its own liturgical additions. The fact that some have the custom to sit in the sukkah on Shemini Atzeret is based on the uncertainty surrounding Yom, Shev, Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galuyot, that is, one would sit in the sukkah, just in case Shemini Atzeret really is the seventh day of Sukkot. In his book, The Jewish Holidays, Michael Strassfeld points out that Shemini Atzeret in many respects parallels Shavuot, which can be viewed as the long-distance conclusion to the seven-day holiday of Passover, coming as it does seven weeks after Passover. At the time of year, the weather would be clear enough to have people come back to Jerusalem for an additional pilgrimage some weeks later. Sukkot, however, marks the beginning of the rainy season, and since it would be difficult to ask people to make an additional trip to Jerusalem, Shemini Etzeret would be best placed immediately following Sukkot. In the Talmud, Shavuot is called Etzeret, making the parallel with Shemini Etzeret even stronger. Shemini Atzeret is a two-day festival in traditional diaspora communities and a one-day holiday in Israel and in many liberal diaspora communities. As with many other Jewish holidays, the only ritual that is unique to Shemini Atzeret is the prayer for rain, to feel at Getshem, and this prayer is parallel to the prayer for dew which is recited on Passover. These two holidays serve at the bookends of the agricultural season at the beginning and end of the rainy season. Whereas the Torah does describe the offering that was brought to the temple on Shemini Atzeret, once the temple was destroyed, there is nothing that remained from the holiday's ritual except the liturgy required rain for a bountiful year. In the early Middle Ages, Shemini Atzeret began to associate 
with the ritual of completing the yearly cycle of readings from the Torah, leading to the latter development of Simchat Torah from what was likely the second day of Shemini Yetzirah. Simchat Torah developed into the day on which we celebrate the ending of one cycle of Torah reading and the beginning of the next cycle. Among traditional diaspora communities, Simchat Torah is congruent with the second day of Shemini Yetzirah, and in Israel and liberal diaspora communities, it coincides with the single day of Shemini Yetzirah. It's a joyous holiday with a relatively young history, since it is not mentioned in the Torah. It is traditionally the only time when the Torah is read at night, when we read the last section from Deuteronomy, to be followed the next day by the conclusion of Deuteronomy and the beginning of Genesis. There is a tradition on Simchat Torah morning of calling all members of the community to say the blessing of the Torah, known as Analiyah, and synagogues will often repeat the readings until all members have their Aliyot, or split into smaller groups to chant the reading from several different Torah scrolls simultaneously so everyone can have this honor. Similarly to Sukkot, there are several, three, or more commonly, seven depending on the custom of the synagogue, circuits around the synagogue on Simchat Torah. These are known as the Hakafot, or Hakafa. In distinction to the Hakafot on Sukkot, they are done holding the Torah, not the Lulav and Etrog. They are accompanied by joyous dancing that often spills onto the street outside. In Kabbalah, the mystical tradition, the seven Hakafot on Simchat Torah become a kind of unification of the seven days of Sukkot and also representative of the seven Sefirot, emanations of God. The spiritual and mystical understanding of Simchat Torah accords with the very physical tradition of turning the Hakafot into joyous dancing. The Torah reading that follows the wild dancing is often very playful and humorous, and it is a celebration of the great gift of God's Torah. In recent times, Simchat Torah has also become a very child-friendly holiday. Many synagogues invite all the children up for a group aliyah and given out flags for the children to march around with during their own hakafa. While Simchat Torah's origins are not specifically biblical, it has become a Bible-centered holiday on which the hearts of Jews are drawn to celebrate the Torah. I really like the fact that there are many holidays that enable Jews to celebrate life and to give themselves an affirmation to their Jewish identity. And the Torah plays an important role in part of that identity, depending on the person, of course. But through the readings and understanding of the life of Moses and other books and other philosophies that that go into a deeper analysis of the Torah, it's very beautiful in the sense that that we pretty much are able to continually reflect and continually improve ourselves and improve the way that we look and approach to life as well as to be there for others and to be in connection and to be in a community and to be able to relate with other people and to celebrate with other people. That's part of the beauty of Judaism and other religions in general and maybe life in general if we're able to look at that 
through that sort of lens. So in the next section that's going to come up in a few moments, I'll now be doing a summary of both the last portion of the Torah and the first portion of the Torah, which ends the story of Moses and goes back in the beginning. So I'm calling upon the internet once again for my services on Chabad.org, which has a full translation of the last Torah portion that I will be reading in full. And then afterwards, give a little bit of a summary to explain all that stuff. So Deuteronomy chapter 33. And this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel just before his death. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and shone forth from Seir to them. He appeared from Mount Paran and came with some of the holy myriads from his right hand with a fiery law for them. Indeed, you showed love for peoples. All his holy ones are in your hand, for they let themselves be centered at your feet, bearing your utterances. The Torah that Moses commanded us is a legacy for the congregation of Jacob. And he was king at Jeshurun, wherever, whenever the sum total of the people were gathered, and the tribes of Israel were together. May Reuben live and not die, and may his people be counted in the number. May this also be for Judah. And he said, O Lord, hearken to Judah's voice and bring him to his people, May his hands do battle for him, and may you be a help against his adversaries. And of Levi, he said, Your Tumim and Urim belong to your pious man, who you tested at Massah, and whom you tried at the waters of Meribah, who said of his father and his mother, I do not see him. Neither did he recognize his brothers, nor did he know his children, for they observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach your ordinances to Jacob and your Torah to Israel. They shall place incense before you and burnt offerings upon your altar. May the Lord bless his armies and favorably accept the work of his hand. Strike the loins of those who rise up against him and his enemies, so that they will never recover. And of Benjamin he said, The Lord's beloved one shall dwell securely beside him. He protects him all day long, and he dwells between his shoulders. And of Joseph, he said, His land shall be blessed by the Lord, with the sweetness of the heavens with dew, and with the deep that lies below, and with the sweetness of the produce of the sun, and with the sweetness of the moon's yield, and with the crops of early mountains, and with the sweetness of perennial hills, and with the sweetness of the land in its fullness, and through the contentment of the one who dwells in the thorn bush. May it come upon Joseph's head and upon the crown of the one separated from his brothers. To his firstborn ox is given glory. His horns are the horns of a re'im. When then he will gore peoples together throughout all the ends of the earth. These are the myriads of Ephraim, and these are the thousands of Manasseh. And to Zubulun he said, Rejoice, Zubulun, in your departure, in Issachar, in your tents. They will call peoples to the mountain. There they will offer upon righteous sacrifices, for they will be nourished by the abundance of the seas and by the treasures hidden in the sand. And of Gad he said, Blessed is he who grants expanse to Gad. 
He dwells like a lion, tearing the arm of his prey together with the head. He saw the first portion for himself, because there the portion of the lawgiver is hidden. And he came at the head of the people. He did what is righteous for the Lord and what is lawful with Israel. And of Dan he said, Dan is a young lion, streaming from Bashan. And of Naphtali he said, Naphtali is favorably satisfied and full of the Lord's blessing. Possess the sea in the south. And of Asher he said, May Asher be blessed with sons. He will be pleasing to his brothers and immense his foot in oil. Your locks and iron and copper and the days of your old age will be like the days of your youth. Jeshurun, there is none like God. He who rides the heavens is at your assistance, and with his majesty he rides the skies, which are the abode for the God who precedes all, and below are the mighty ones of the world. He expelled the enemy before you and said, Destroy! In Israel dwelled safety and alone as Jacob blessed them in a land of grain and wine. Also their heavens will drip dew. Fortunate are you, O Israel! Who is like you, O people whose salvation is through the Lord, the shield who helps you, your majestic sword? Your enemies will lie to you, but you will tread upon their heights. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of the summit facing Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, the Gilead until Dan, and all the land of Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and the Manasseh, and all the land of Judah until the western sea, and the south and the plain, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, until Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to you, offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, by the mouth of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley, in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, and no person knows the place of his burial unto this day. Moses was one hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eyes had not dimmed, nor had he lost his natural freshness. And the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for thirty days, and the days of weeping over the mourning for Moses came to an end. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, because Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel obeyed him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there was no other prophet who arose in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, as manifested by all the signs and wonders which the Lord has sent him to perform in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants, and to all his land, and all the strong hand, and all the great awe which Moses performed before the eyes of all Israel. So the portion itself pretty much explains the final um, will, not only of God unto Moses, but also pretty much to Moses, to his to what we can describe as his children, which is the children of Israel. And the relationship like this should not be um, forsaken or scoffed at best because the relationship 
is almost fatherly to um to teaching all these children that he led out from bondage from it from egypt because they've been through a lot of trials and tribulations not only when they got out of egypt but also when they were approaching to the land of israel and moses himself too if we look at earlier Torah portions, he definitely had angst and anxieties and pretty much frustrations for what the people did, especially in relation to the golden calf or um, or pretty much entering the tabernacle without the proper um, authorization or the proper or the preparation thereof. So. It's very beautiful in the sense to give a final word to each of the 12 tribes and the type of um, responsibility that each of these tribes um, were blessed by. Because each of them was addressed to each head of the tribe, like Benjamin or Levi or Manasseh, and each of them was given at least a, a type of attribution that made their tribe what it was because this was just before they united the kingdom of israel all together into one into one nation because these were all the separate tribes that were given each land within the levant so part of the major theme is the fact that it's giving each member of the community an important role in not only their own community but also to the entire Jewish community that's going to develop into the land of Israel that Moses guided them all into. So Reuben was blessed with life. Judah was blessed for success in battle. Levi was blessed for the service in the temple and to teach the Torah. Benjamin is blessed by being the love, being beloved by God. Joseph is blessed on the fruits and foods that develop in the land. Zebulon would be blessed in trade. Issachar with the, with the success in Torah study. Gad with lots of land. Dan being the might of a lion. Naphtali with having land and sea. And Asher with sons and olive oil. So each of them have a distinctive role within the land of Israel, which is not bad because it really emulates the kind of people are which type of people are responsible for each of these different aspects that their society needs in order to in order to be together and united. But in this case, of course, each tribe is a separate tribe for themselves and each of them would have their own cultures, but they will always be able to help each other back to back as well as the fact that this is coming from the words of Moses who despite his own setbacks earlier on including some disobedience from God and listening to God but also for the fact that he is a significant figure as he not only was a prophet for God, but also for that the Jews mourned him for over 30 days, which really shows the reverence and the kind of sacrifice and the kind of leadership that Moses really expected the Jews to emulate in, in a certain way. That's exactly how I would see it. 
is that Moses would be a template for leadership and how one should leave, lead their life. Even though um, there were mistakes, of course, but like, but most mistakes, of course, are often learned lessons and and pretty much develop into becoming a better person beyond those mistakes. And the thing is, is that this portion is then followed upon Genesis in Bereshit, which is in the beginning, which in the next section, I will be able to give a reading of that and pretty much just give <laughs> an obvious reading and summary of, of what is from what is developed in the beginning. So here is Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning of God's creation of the heavens and the earth, now the earth was astonishingly empty, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and that it was good. And God separated between the light and between the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And it was evening, and it was morning, one day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of water, and let it be a separation between water and water. And God made the expanse and separated between the water that was below the expanse and the water that was above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and it was evening, and it was morning, a second day. And God said, Let the water that is beneath the heavens gather into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, seed-yielding herbs, and fruit trees producing fruit according to its kind, in which its seed is found on the earth. And it was so. And the earth gave forth vegetation, seed-yielding herbs according to its kind, and trees producing fruit, in which its seed is found according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. It was evening, and it was morning, a third day. A God, and God said, Let there be luminaries in the expanse of the heavens, to separate between the day and between the night, and they shall be for signs and for appointed seasons and for days and years. And they shall be for luminaries in the expanse of the heavens to shed upon the earth. And it was so. And God had made two great luminaries, the great luminary to rule the day and the lesser luminary to rule the night and the stars. And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to shed light upon the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate between the light and between the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And, the, and it was evening, and it was morning, a fourth day. And God said, Let the water swarm a swarming of living creatures, and let fowl fly over the earth, across the expanse of the heavens. And God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that crawls, with which the water swarmed according to their kind, and every winged fowl according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters of the seas, and let the fowl multiply upon the earth. And it was evening, and it was morning, a fifth day. And God said, 
Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind, cattle and creeping things, and the beasts of the earth according to their kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind, and the cattle according to their kind, and all the creeping things of the ground according to their kind, and saw, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and they shall rule over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the heaven, and over the animals, and over all the earth, and over all the creeping things that creep upon the earth. And God created man in his image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the sky, and over all the beasts that tread upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every seed-bearing herb, which is upon the surface of the entire earth, and every tree that has seed-bearing fruit, it will be yours for food." And to all the beasts of the earth, and to all the fowl of the heavens, and to everything that moves upon the earth, in which there is a living spirit, every green herb to eat. And it was so. And God saw that all he had made, and behold, it was very good. And it was evening, and it was morning, the sixth day. Now the heavens and the earth were completed, and all the hosts. And God completed on the seventh day his work that he did, and he abstained on the seventh day from all his work, and he did. And God blessed the seventh day, and he hallowed it, for thereon he abstained from all his work that God created to do. So Simchat Torah has both the reading, the final reading of Deuteronomy and Bereshit of Genesis coincide with one another to represent not only the end but also the beginning is to once again renew the cycle of the Torah readings and it's it's very related to the to the Tao Te Ching and other eastern concepts of the wheel of a continuous wheel of life that goes on and on and the Torah is no exception to this either since after we finish reading the final passage of the Torah, we go back to the beginning, back to the creations of God, and to renew the cycle and the stories of the Torah, and to continue learning from them and gaining new experiences from them. And for Genesis, it is a very poetic kind of thing especially if it was read in the Hebraic version instead of the English one. But the way that it's described in the creation myth is that all the days are uttered as a break between each creation as there was an evening and a day. And it represents which day it was now. So it almost has that poetic quality of, of like not only of an epic, but any kind of poem form of there being a different type of stanza and then a break and a stanza and a break. And in the way that it's described in this is a little bit, is a little bit problematic in regards to scientific understandings. But if we take this, um, for what it is, um, 
it can it can somewhat coincide with evolution, even if it wasn't done in seven days, but like a truncated version of evolution in that regard. But nevertheless, like the way that it describes like each part of the process, which I'm sure in other versions of the Torah reading that it would give much more vivid, lucrative descriptions. It still establishes the very essence of the beginning of the, of the Torah and pretty much of any kind of book like that to like proceed onward with the rest of the story, with the complex stories that feature the humans. Because this is primarily focusing towards the environment, towards the beauty of the earth. And, and there's... And the way that it's described, we can almost imagine the kind of um, pollution-less um, kind of air and sea and kind of land that developed many, many years ago, as opposed to what we would know today. And it almost harkens a theme of environmentalism and the beauty and the significance of, of the environment and of nature, of both animals and plants. And... I really have an appreciation for nature and the way that it begins with such a description like this follows along with a bunch of other creation myths like like Japan of how how the um how the Shinto gods um plunged the um the um spear into the sea and created a whole land so it almost it definitely falls along with other um, contemporary ancient creation myths of of stuff in the region. So it's no stranger to either Egyptian mythology or Mesopotamian mythology to fall along a similar presence with what is also written in in the Torah as well, which is a very fascinating, very interesting way in comparison with each of these um, stories. So I think this should wrap up the episode from here. So I'd like to thank all my listeners for joining in the Chutzpah Kabbalah once again and listening and learning about Simchat Torah, Shemini Atzeret, and a little bit about the end and beginning of the Torah itself. And I bless you all and wish you all doing well and have a wonderful weekend and and just keep on thriving no matter how much darkness we have and just try and try to strive to go for the light in our hearts and to be truthful to ourselves and to be loving to all the people that we know in our lives so shabbat shalom and take care and see you guys next time